This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. We're going to jump right in. Uh, Before we do that, though, just want to remind everybody, you can go to practicalshepherding.com and there's all kinds of resources, content, as well as a place you can even contact us and write us about topics you would like us to tackle uh, on the podcast here that that we, we get questions and things from social media, but that's another way you can write us through that that email that's on there. So go to the contact page and, and write us. Also, I haven't mentioned this much, but we're also about to launch the third year of our replant cohort, which is a free uh, video training that we do, a 40-week video training that has just really gone well. It's really been fun, Jim, to be a part of, of this and, and all that's happened. We've had over 500 guys that have been a part of this, pastors all around the world, and and it's free, and you can join, but you've got to jump in in the next three or four weeks. We're going to close registration, and then it'll be closed for another year because we start in January. So if you go to the website and go to Replant Cohort, that will that'll show you how you can apply. You have to apply to this and be accepted into it. But it is free, so you don't have to pay anything to be able to, to do that. Let me encourage you to, to do that. And last thing I want to mention is uh, if this podcast has been helpful, if Practical Shepherding has been helpful to you, would you go to the donate page and just give an end-of-the-year gift for us as we're expanding and growing and a lot of exciting things happening. We were trying to assess how much we're going to be able to do this next year based on financial gifts. So we would be really helped if you would do that. So thanks for your support and your encouragement you have sent us all these years we have been doing this. And Jim, we're we're tackling a a topic that's timely, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it over to you in light of my transition that that I have just made. Actually, as listeners will hear this, I would have just had you would have just preached. You're about to do this this next week as we record this. My my last service, my send off, if you will, that you're gonna come and preach, and it'll be my last Sunday after 17 years. And so we we're gonna we're gonna chat about that, I guess, today, aren't we? Yeah, Brian, and the reason I want to be able to do this is, I mean, obviously you you lead this ministry and uh, you are a big a big part, huge part of of uh, of what practical shepherding has been about, and part of that has obviously been rooted in your day to day, week by week, year by year ministry in a church, and you know that's ha- that's had part of your story of uh, the first five years, and then your perseverance uh, in that of course i was i was near you during a lot of that we would get together every now and then and we didn't know each other as well uh back then but uh witnessed you going through this and and certainly from my perspective i i uh, thought there were several times i thought he's not going to last or that's not going <laughs> to keep going I really you know i really me did. too I, I'm me sure, too right you <laughs> Uh, but now you're at the you know you you've come to really we can say now you've come to the end you're you're right. you know this week is uh, Lord Lord's Day is a bit more of a a formality but you have gone through a process of evaluation and uh, I think a degree of perhaps a degree of grieving uh, and, and I'm thinking about this Brian even in light of the fact that a friend of mine uh, just died he died of he had pancreatic cancer. Uh, he was he had been ill and then was diagnosed and from the time he was diagnosed to the time he died was three weeks yeah right and so he was a man who had preached his last sermon and didn't know you know when he preached his last sermon he didn't know that's the last sermon right and he had come to his church and he didn't know that that was his last lord's day at the church and he'd been there i mean he'd been there for decades and decades yeah 
And there's a difference in that. Uh, years ago, when I had my began to have my heart trouble, which started with a, a heart attack, which came right after uh, a Lord's Day of preaching, walking out to my van is when I had the, the my heart attack. And I had meditated at times. What if that were my last Sunday? Uh-huh. And the difference between when you when you don't know and when you do know. And so you knew for months. You had a day targeted. Now let's let's maybe ask this question real quickly, <laughs> Brian. You had to postpone it by a week, two weeks. What was it? Be, uh, the, what you thought was going to be your last Lord's Day yeah. got postponed. And why did that get postponed? Yeah. So I got I got COVID. Uh, I started showing symptoms the day before I was supposed to preach my last sermon, and so. Obviously, I started running a fever and things. So before I even could get tested for COVID, I, you know, obviously couldn't go to church. That was a really going to be a really bad idea to try to preach that sermon. <laughs> I spent two weeks recovering from COVID. I tested positive, and so last week I preached my last sermon in, in the church as a senior pastor, anyways. And that was a two-week delay because I had two weeks of, of recovering. What was that like? You you had geared yourself up for months, and you had had targeted that was going to be November 1st, right, was going to be your last Lord's Day. Mm-hmm. And so that date was emblazoned on your heart. And then all of a sudden, and we've talked so much about COVID, everybody's talking about COVID, and you got it. I got it. Yep. And uh, how how are you feeling? And what was that like uh, going through that? Yeah, I feel good. I, I I'm about I'd say I'm about ninety percent. I'm I have no symptoms and things anymore. I've tested negative, so I I feel good. I am still dealing with lingering fatigue, which I'm told could happen for weeks. So that's the only thing I'm really dealing with right now. So what was that? What was that sense of disappointment like? Obviously, we 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 hold firmly to the sovereignty of God. Was that a, a help to you? Was it confusing to you? Was it one of these why, Lord? I don't understand this. Yeah. So I felt disappointment first, just and, but but I when things like this happen and it's totally out of your control, it really does remind you that you really do believe in the sovereignty of God. And these are the moments where you you don't have an answer on maybe why God's doing something, but you cannot deny the fact that oh this is out of my control. You know, this is this is in the Lord's hands and I have to I have to trust that. But the uh the emotional swing that took place yeah. was what I mean I was disappointed but resolved quickly. Wow, this is in the Lord's hands. This is out of my hands. But the emotional preparation to go preach your final sermon after 17 years and to get that opportunity and to then have it just taken from you, mm. uh, and that was like inside of twenty four hours of that I was supposed to preach it. So I had worked hard to one prepare the sermon, really think through it, and to emotionally prepare, where I would show up to preach, emotionally engaged, you know, fully present to to you know to not be checked out and to be tempted to do that because it's going to be a hard sermon to to preach. And I was all ready, and then this and then this happened. So what I found this past week was as I was leading to getting to hopefully preach this sermon, it it was hard in some ways to re-engage in that way because I had prepared the sermon that week. So it was all internalized. It was all fresh. And so to, to revisit it, to try to internalize it, to try to go back to that emotionally connected place mm. where I wanted to really be present, to, to pour my heart out in the sermon, which is really the intent of, of the sermon and what I had prepared. It, it took effort. I, I got there, but it was harder than I thought it would be to try to pull that off. Do you feel your illness had any effect? Let me ask you two things about your illness. First of all, it's it's hard coming in when you're not physically feeling well. I, I know, obviously, from the scriptures, there is this 
benefit to our weakness. There's an extra sense of dependence right. upon the Lord and gratitude if God comes through and uh, enables us. But at the same time, you were a much weaker vessel than you had intended to be. You're probably you're weaker physically, but as you said, maybe in a different place emotionally uh, because of the of the illness, did you find that to be the case at all? Yeah, good question. I, I was thankful that I was able to emotionally engage like I'd hoped I was going to be able to. You never know until you get in that moment, right? Uh, and I was able to do that because obviously I shared, anybody who listened to the sermon shared really personal things. It really was just a an ev- thinking through my whole 17 years of pastoring these people and then yet saying goodbye and finding trying to, to find a way to do that physically. I felt good going up and, and, and preaching. Actually, was a little nervous. First time in years, I actually was aware of even a little bit of nervousness as I stepped up to do that. But I actually got lightheaded a couple of times physically mm. when I was preaching. Okay. And actually, I just stopped, just kind of take a breath because that's part of the kind of the the fatigue I've noticed with recovering from COVID is is you you wear out quicker, your heart kind of races. Uh, you know, there's just some of those kinds of um, fatigue symptoms. And I can remember two specific times I actually had to kind of stop and slow down, take take a couple of breaths a minute. So I did physically feel it a little bit while I was up there, but it, it wasn't too bad. Did your sermon change at all in those two weeks? No. So I write manuscripts, and my sermon was ready to go. Again, I was 24 hours in front in front of doing the sermon before. And I remember coming back to it. And, of course, I'm always tweaking it, writing little notes here and there. But it was interesting. I had... I had really poured out. I was, I was, I felt like I had written what I was supposed to preach, and just revisited it, internalized it, and tried to emotionally connect. It was really the hard work to prepare to preach again. But you know what's interesting? I would say that's really the hard work of preaching, anyways. Is yeah. I, I think just about any, just about anybody can be taught how to write a sermon out, but internalizing it. Really, I'm mean, Spurgeon called preaching heart work, and that's what I think right. really matters. Lo- the logic, the the on fire part of the logic. That's the, right. The, 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 uh, Lloyd Jones talked about. That's right. The delivery of the sermon, the yeah. emotional engagement, being present as an individual for God to use you as a vessel in that way. And I, I find sometimes that something I had intended to preach, and then for whatever reason, does you don't get to do it again, illness or whatever, and then you said trying to re-engage because right. there's something that comes in the, the week of the – it's a steamroller effect or snowball effect, and then it, it just wants to give vent, and then it does. you don't get the vent. Did did you, in your own mind, in your as you thought through what it was going to be like, did you anticipate it being uh, – I don't know if you're the kind of guy, Brian, I haven't listened to you preach enough – that you wear your emotions on your sleeve a bit, or that there are times in in, in, in preaching where you become emotional, you, you have a hard time going on, the tears flow. Did you anticipate that there would be times when you thought, oh, if I say this in front of these people, it's like you, you anticipate sometimes, oh, I, I'm the dad, I'm going to give this speech at my daughter's wedding. What's it going to feel like to, to walk down the aisle with my daughter? I had had that when I walked my daughter down the the aisle, this emotional thought of what it was going to be like. I was almost more emotional in the anticipation of the event. And you can't always gauge what they're going to be. I I have preached some funerals where I was very emotional leading up, 
uh, and and yet when I actually gave the 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 message, my emotions were not what I was expecting yeah. them to be. Yeah, almost they almost disengaged a little bit in a way. Mm-hmm. I've had other times. The most emotional I've ever been at a funeral was for, and, and you can, when I say this, you'll know why. It was for a little boy uh, who was just three or four years old, but I didn't know the family very well. They had visited our church only a few times, mm. uh, and he had been ill his whole life. He was born with numerous uh, birth defects and and and, uh, and issues and. Uh, it was not necessarily a shock that he had passed, but mm-hmm. there, but there was so much in that that I, I didn't, I didn't know that I could even preach. I, I was, I was a mess when I got to the funeral home when I saw the family interacting with mm-hmm. the child in the casket, and then I, I, but I, I was praying and begging God that I would be able because I thought I, 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 I can't give the word if I can't speak. Right? Did you anticipate that at all? And were you surprised that like? I did not break. I thought my voice might break. I thought that the eyes might fill as I looked at these people and said yeah. these things. Or, or how did you find that? Yeah, so I, it's a good question because I think whether it's a funeral or a, a you know a, an emotional sermon you're going to preach, uh, and I'm talking about engaging the heart, not wanting to shut my emotions down. And, and I think a lot of preachers do that for the sake of not wanting to show emotion in front of the church. And I think that's actually not good and unhealthy. But um, at the same time, you you can't. It's not helpful for anybody to just kind of blubber through a sermon, right? Or and so you want to be able to speak clearly, right? Uh, and yet show that you're emotionally engaged. So there's a balance. I think yeah. that's what every preacher has to figure that out for who they are in a personally and how you, how emotions strike you in that moment, right? Because we can't, we shouldn't calculate our emotions yeah. or 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 feign or feign emotions for effect. But that and has I can't. to be real, right? And, I'm and, a, that's an, and, a bill. You're the, you're the actor, but I, <laughs> but I don't know how to do that. Like, so it's it's got to be authentic for me yeah. to show up in that way. And I, so I did. I found myself. Um, certainly, there's been a lot of grieving the last several months, and so I've let yeah. myself walk through that sadness. Uh, I actually got really emotional as um, we were downstairs praying for the service. Okay, you know, it just kind of hit me. Yeah. And and the guy that was leading the service uh, was one of my longtime elders and friends. Yeah. and and he was there, and it just kind of just kind of stirred everything up. And right you're there. feeling it now. Yeah. So um, by the time I got there, I, I certainly felt the emotion of the moment. Uh, teared up a couple of times, but. One of the first times I actually put Kleenexes in my pocket because I just didn't know right what, and I wanted to show up how I needed to show up. Right. Whatever whatever happened with that, I was open to, but nothing just overcame. I wasn't overcome with emotion and preaching, but I certainly felt my heart engaged, and people can tell that too. By the way, sure, of and so I felt good about how how I ended up showing up in that moment. Was able to still talk clearly. I think. My voice, you could detect in my voice, though, the emotion that was there. And I think it was it was appropriate, and I think the balance was found in a way I was, I was hoping. How did you find the congregation responding to you and to the sermon? Yeah, they, they were just really kind and, and sweet. I mean, it was a, it's weird, right? Because because of what's going on with COVID and things, of course, I, matter of fact, I sent the church an email saying I wasn't even going to go to the back doors after the service. Mm. I'm going to hang up front. Anybody who wants to come up, I will be available. Yeah. But I didn't want to put people in the position. Sure, I had tested negative. You know, I let yeah. people know that, but still wanted to be sensitive to people who maybe didn't want to get near me yet. So I did, and and I that worked out good because the back door is where everybody has to exit, and so I just didn't want to put people in that position. 
having said that, a, a lot of people came forward. Yeah. And there are people who came up and instigated uh, hugs to me, and mm. uh, it was it was really a sweet time. It was a, it was a sweet. That's the part I actually didn't know what, how that was going to go because yeah. I knew people. I could see people were were deeply affected by the time, and and you know I talked about some things in the sermon that were deeply meaningful to other people. And yeah. I talked about the death of one of our deacons who right. died tragically. All these kind of things that people walked through that, <clears throat> but overall people were just really kind and and sweet and. And I had people texting me who were on the live stream, you know, people yeah. who actually, there were some some dear friends of mine who are leaders in our church, and um, they actually had been exposed to COVID and had to stay home. Yeah. And that, which was sad for us all, but they watched the live stream and they texted me afterwards. So it was it was sweet the way people responded to it. I, I mean, I certainly felt loved. And in the COVID age, I was grateful that I was made able to interact with people and, and be able to connect with people in person. The congregation is dealing with two things emotionally, and one is they're losing you, right? and but and they don't know who the next man is going to be. That's so they're right. entering into a time of, of uncertainty. So they've gone from 17 years of a degree of certainty to a degree of uncertainty. How do you, how do you sense they're holding up in, in dealing with that? Yeah, I, I think that. Um, well, first of all, I want to say I, I think this is the best way to have walked through this. And you know, I think we had talked about in our previous podcast in thinking about this that uh, I quickly realized it wasn't my place to replace myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's the congregation's decision that needs to be done. I, I resolved I needed to be. I I got good counsel. I think from a lot of your pastors who walked through this who said, "Yeah, you, you'll have to leave and go join another church." So that the new guy has a chance to start fresh, and and that counsel seemed wise to me, and it continues to seem wise to me. So we put a team together that is in the middle of walking through a process to refine my replacement. It's going well, but it's a transition, right? It's still hard for people. So I feel good about where we are as a church moving into this. I think they'll be helped even for me to be gone to feel that we have good elders who are going to take over. Actually, there's two specific elders that are going to be kind of the co-interim pastors of the church. That's the way it should be, I think. They're faithful pastors. They're going to care for the congregation until they find the next senior pastor, whoever that is. So I feel good about where we are at the same time. I think it's hard when people don't know who's going to replace me. And to walk through that process, there's not agreement in our church on who should replace me. Mm. So, you know, there's uh, there's some... So I think there's good, faithful, mature people who are on this team. We have elders leading the team. And I think everything's in place for them to find the right person and for that to go well. Having said that, I think the mystery for everybody makes this even sadder. It makes it, mm. it, it harder for people to sure. say goodbye to me without knowing who's you know who's going to replace right. me in that way. Uh, I have a question, but I think I'm going to save it for six months from now. And okay. that's, you know, what, what do you... What do you, what do you, maybe I could ask now, what do you anticipate missing most? And then six months from now, ask, what did, what did you actually miss most about leaving the church, leaving, leave, and really it's leaving Auburndale in particular? Yeah. Uh, it won't, I mean, I'll, it'll be a good question to ask in six months. What I anticipate is missing just the people, you know, yeah. um, that, and, and, and I was struck as I preached this last sermon and reflected on my time that, um, you know, I talked about talked about Hebrews thirteen seventeen, and you know the writer there talks about the joy and the grief 
that that comes with a pastor doing his part and a church doing their part right. of obeying, submitting, following, and the pastor keeping watch over souls faithfully. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I just, I just find that so helpful, right? I'm just God's word, just bringing wisdom and insight that pastoral ministry is about joy and it's about grief, it's about yeah. sorrow, and so often they're deeply, yeah, you feel them deeply, and they coexist so often in pastoral yeah. ministry. So. Why is that? It's about people. It's about walking through their lives with them. It's about being involved in their lives in some of the key moments and some of the tragic moments and the joyful moments. Uh, I'll I'll miss that. I'll, I'll miss that a lot. I can already anticipate that. I already feel that. That's the thing that produces the sadness in me the most, that uh, these people that, I, that I've been able to be a part of their lives, you can't survive as a pastor if you don't love. I mean, that's what we talk about. Is That's the trench work. That's the grind we talk yeah. about all the time yep, here yep, yep. is – is being there in not just that happy moments, but the sad and the tragic moments. All right. But there's a satisfaction in being in those places because this is what we do. This is being a part of people's lives in that way. And thankfully, at being a part of practical shepherding and moving this direction, and I get to shift in a lot of ways of doing this with a lot of pastors even more. And hopefully joining another local church where we can engage in that way as well. But man, to 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 leave to not be with the people that you have in, invested in and poured into in that way, I know that's the thing you know that I'll miss the most. Brian, people are wired differently. You you're wired differently than I, and and so I'm trying to anticipate if if I have a closure date now. Of course, now my I have an idea of what I want, and all of this this is health related and integrity related and sure. gift and ability related. It's my desire. I, I want to be at my church for 50 years. I, I have that in my head. So if I have any kind of a goal, so this is going to be, I've been there 20 year, or 30 years, so 20 more years. Right. So I'd be 77, 78 years old. And I, I, if, I, if, I were to, if I were to end my ministry now, I would feel, and you, you dealt with some of this because I listened to your message, this combination of regret and gratitude yeah. that I'm thankful God used me in this way. I'm thankful I established blah, blah, blah. I'm thankful that God helped me too, but also regret. And and unlike, you know, uh, Frank Sinatra who sang regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. Mm-hmm. Mine aren't too few to mention. <laughs> and at times they plague me more than my sense of gratitude over what God has done and in through my life and ministry over 30 years, you know, which thank again, people are very sweet to me. You know, by and large, my congregation is extremely appreciative and couldn't be any sweeter to me. But I also, I, oft, I often find my life filled with regret. What are the regrets as you look back and think about What's what's made you like? Ah, I wish I had, or I wish I hadn't. What are some of those things? Just quickly here, because I know yeah. we're we're needing to yeah. to wrap up. Uh, there's there's plenty for me. Uh, two come to mind. One is I wish I would have prayed more. I think yeah, that's so. probably going to be the number one thing most I, pastors will say. And, yeah. and and I say that feeling a, a deep burden over that, like mm. just. I know that that may sound like the Sunday school answer or whatever, but no, no that's my greatest burden. Is like I. I was I was way too just busy trying to do things to fix yeah. things to do this and I just just to stop and pray. Yeah, fix it my, yourself, right? Give Instead it of giving myself to, to praying. Um, I, I I would hope we would all think we we should pray more, but 
that's the one that that really deeply burdens my heart the most. Um, the second one would be kind of along those lines, and that's I, I, because I again I was a busy fixer for years in my ministry mm-hmm. and got a lot done. Right, that's the deception yeah. of it. But my other regret is I I spent way too much time trying to fix people instead of just listening and sitting with people. Mm. Um, first 10, 15 years of my ministry uh, was marked by that in some different ways. And I was able to do that in different, uh, not do that in other ways, but man, I wish I would have just done less of less mm. fixing mm. and, uh, and, you know, trying to solve everything and just sit with people and be present and yeah. agree with people. I feel like that's something I, I've learned how to do well now. I just wish I would have learned that early on, which is why I talk about it so much for young guys to like, I know you feel the instinct to want to just fix and do, but like pray and sit and just be present with mm. people. It the ministry of presence cannot be overstated. You use a line, and uh, I quoted it this weekend. I was preaching at another church, and just because the the word of God is powerful doesn't mean that it acts quickly, right? Um, yeah, that patience. So really quickly, Brian, what are you encouraged about? What do you look back on without without patting yourself on the back or without like, man, I was good. You know, <laughs> what uh, you look back on and go, you know what? I'm grateful that from the beginning or very, you, you mentioned just recently that you learned to listen and, 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 and pray more. You're, so that's an encouragement. What else you look back and say, guys, make sure you do this. I'm so thankful that this was instilled in me by my study of the word or by older mentors. And I got to tell you, you can take that to the bank and make sure you mm. don't end your ministry without whatever. Yeah. Now, good question. And again, there could be a bunch of these, but but I uh, I would uh, two come to mind. One is the sense of relief I felt after the sermon last week caught me off guard. Mm. Um, and it was a relief to finally get to preach this emotionally heavy sermon. Yeah. But also I was aware that the relief came in I completed the ministry of the word I was called to do here. Yeah. And, you know, for people who know my story, I preached through hostility and some terrible situations and and, I, and just kept preaching every week, trusting the word was going to do the work. And when I didn't feel like I could preach, I still preached. And there was, there was a deep sense of satisfaction as I literally wrapped up my preaching ministry in this church in that sermon. And uh, so... That's that would caught me off guard with how just the sense of relief and even a sense of satisfaction of you know mm-hmm. I'm Lord willing the Lord will let me preach for decades after this but but as far as completing my weekly ministry in this church from in the Word which was the centerpiece of what I knew was going to build and had to build this church yeah there was a there is a lot of deep satisfaction in that the, the second thing I would say is um, and and I think this would apply to you know, just guys listening to think about their how to persevere through things and finish well. The satisfaction, like I, I don't regret one moment of of investing and raising up guys to lead, mm. and then to send them away to yeah. raise up and send your best out to the mission field to be pastors. Uh, there's a deep a, a, sense of satisfaction. Yeah, because that, that cost you. Because what would Auburn Dale be like if you'd had those 38 guys that you had, or whatever, how many people that Absolutely. you had sent out? To, it's a, there's a you'd lot be of a cost. big, strong church with all these gifted people, and you you gave away. There's a there was a big uh, sense of satisfaction as I look back and realize that that I I did not selfishly as God is my witness, I did not selfishly try to keep any of these guys when they said I yeah. think I'm supposed to go and. 
there was it was costly. Like part of, I mean, there were financial challenges. There were leadership hole vacuums and holes, all, all kinds of costs that comes with sending your best out. I don't regret one moment. And they of were it your in, friends too, right? It, your, or your family friends. I sent them. out some of my dearest friends six, seven years ago. Yeah, they never got replaced. Yeah, like our church has been a lonelier place. Uh, because of certain people I sent out that, yeah. so there was a cost. Don't regret a day of it. Real quickly, Brian, yep. did you have you lived out your ministry with this, with the specter of failure over your shoulder? And by that I mean that you might fail in such a way as to destroy your ministry as as others have. You've watched you. I don't know how many guys you could say that you can think of very quickly whose life undermined their ministry, whose sins came upon them. Do you come to that like a few years ago when I well, two years ago when I had my Bell's palsy and for a time I couldn't preach and I and I had wondered if I would ever preach again. Right. And yeah. there was that sense of like almost like I made it, you know, like if I ended now it wouldn't be because of fail moral failure. Yeah. I would have been able to say, you know what, for 28 years, I, I, I believe before God, I faithfully loved and shepherded and fed the flock and, and served to the best I could as an example to them and that it ended and it ended not because of spectacular failure. Did, did you have a sense of relief with that? Did that, did that cross your mind? Yeah, it, it did actually. And I appreciate you asking that question. This can be my, this can be my final word and that's, uh, I, I felt a t- two thing, two deep sense of gratitude and feeling like I finished well, and mm-hmm. and that you know, to, and and this is by the way, this is not, this is really a praise to God more so than than any effort to pat myself on the back because I'm very well aware of how many times I tried to sa- tried to sabotage my ministry at the church, mm-hmm. and but you know for for us to. Uh, <clears throat> One for the church to be open about fourteen years longer than it should have been, um, to be scandal free uh, uh, yeah. in the midst of this, and to not had some scandalous sin that I fell into that destroyed my ministry. Like I, there was a great, I don't feel pride in that. I feel a gratefulness to God. I right, realize that right, that's right, God right, that, right. That, that does that. The the but the last thing I'll I'll say on this is that. I was so grateful to get to preach that final sermon mm. and to go out this way. I'm work. I work with so many pastors that don't get that privilege and that opportunity, yeah. and I want to recognize that. Not I got to preach a final sermon. I got to say goodbye. I'm not leaving, by the way, for a bigger, better church, which would right. totally give a different feel to this. Right. You didn't get thrown out. I didn't. I, you, didn't you didn't bloody yourself, and you didn't die suddenly without saying goodbye. And I'm not getting a promotion to the bigger, better church kind of thing. It's. Yeah. I always said I, I'm not going to pastor another church. I don't. I, this is. This is really missionary work in a sense to practical shepherd mm-hmm. that I'm leaving to. So the the oper- the rare opportunity to preach this sermon, to say goodbye in the way I did, and to exhort them as I leave, I just felt so privileged and and to have the opportunity to do that. I know a lot of pastors deserve that opportunity and they don't get it. Mm. Praise the Lord. Well, Brian, let me pray for you and pray for thank you, Auburndale. Mm-hmm. Father, thank you for this uh, time together today. Thank you for my brother and for keeping him and using him uh, at Auburndale all these years. And Father, pray for uh, Brian and pray, Father, for his family and and for the precious flock that uh, he will no longer see week by week. Um, Lord, that you would comfort both their hearts and give both a sense of encouragement 
and hope as they anticipate your work in and through them in the years to come. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen.